0: You roll
1: it, you smoke it, and it goes down
2: smooth. Ay! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform.
1: I smoke pot, and I like it a lot. Ay!
2: CannabisRadio.com presents the Russ Melville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this
0: is great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Bellville. Good day, tokers
3: and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Thursday, October 13th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome, everyone. We are live on location here at the International Cannabis Business Conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia at the Hyatt Regency downtown. It's quite an amazing expo here. I'm on the expo floor, uh, and ICBC has kind of a limited expo floor, just just a few vendors, so it's uh, nice and cozy, and you can talk to these people and, and get this information. But the uh, the session they're having in the main hall, hundreds of people attending here, uh, sessions on activism and industry and health, you know, Health Canada and all of that, And we'll be bringing some of those people to the table here on the show in Hour 2 and tomorrow's live broadcast here from the ICBC. Great folks here. Uh, Tommy Chong is doing a uh, keynote speech that will happen at the end of the day. And we're hoping to get some uh, mic time with Tommy here. Uh, Ed Rosenthal is nearby. We'll get him on the mic. I saw Kirk Tussaud, the uh, uh, Canadian lawyer extraordinaire. Uh, Jody Emery may stop by. Jamie Shaw. We got a lot of people to talk to today, so make sure you're staying tuned for both hours and tomorrow's show. Now, coming up on today's show, we got all sorts of interesting things to get to in hour one. First of all, we'll have uh, some interviews uh, in our Cannabis Chronicles with a couple of the vendors here on the floor of the ICBC. One who's a manufacturer of cannabis intimate products Hmm. and another who's got a new uh, cannabis marketing social media sort of platform to tell you about that's coming up at half past and then after that we'll have time for a radical rant the uh, drug policy alliance has a new report out on the results of legalization in the four legal states and washington dc lots of stats on youth use arrest rates traffic fatalities that kind of stuff that completely demolish all of the scare tactics that we heard from the prohibitionists back in 2011 and 2012. So that's coming up here at the end of hour one. Also in hour one, we will get into some drug war data mining. We've got the latest polling updates, uh, Canadian polling, national U.S. polling, as well as a few of the states in America that are voting on medical marijuana or legalization coming up in this upcoming election. And uh, before that, we'll get into a behind-the-headlines story uh, coming out of Utah, where an 18-year-old man was uh, charged and arrested uh, uh, for a felony of trying to drug a cop's drink, uh, supposedly with THC and meth. And we'll give you the update on that, what happened, and how this has impacted this young man's life uh, when we get to behind the headlines. But that's right after the uh, cannabis radio news. And uh, in the headlines today, we've got uh, the ban on Kratom that uh, the DEA had suggested. They have now pulled that ban. Uh, They've reversed the ban. We'll tell you about that. We've got a suggestion coming out of one health uh, organization in Canada that... The marijuana legal age should be 25. We've got some news out of Arkansas from their Supreme Court regarding one of the medical marijuana initiatives on the ballot. We've got a new record in Colorado for their monthly marijuana sales. Also in Utah, we've got uh, the story of the wife of the Democratic candidate for governor there getting busted for weed. And we have an obituary for one of uh, the greats in medical marijuana. Uh, Dr. J. Thomas Ungerleider uh, has passed away. We'll tell you about his life and legacy. That's coming up here on The rest Bellville Show, live from International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia. We've got to take a break, pay some of the bills. We'll be right back with the news. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.
2: This is the Rust Belleville Show on cannabis dot com.
4: earn your PhD in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit CANNA-Management.com.
3: It's time to Hempresent with Inadina Stanger.
5: I say to you with all the fervor of my soul that God intended men to be free. Rebellion against tyranny is a righteous cause. And I believe that with every ounce of my soul, we are fighting a righteous cause because people
3: need nature. Marijuana. presents
2: only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet sativa. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
6: Your grapefruits
1: are no match for my Trump Towers.
2: Okay. Maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored
3: by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News, the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The Drug Enforcement Administration has reversed a plan to temporarily ban a plant that some users suggest could be an alternative to powerful and addictive opioid painkillers. In a notice set to be published Thursday in the Federal Register, the agency said it was withdrawing its plan to add two psychoactive components of the plant known as Kratom to the list of the most dangerous drugs. Advocates urging the DEA to leave Kratom off its list of controlled substances have argued that it can be used as a non-addictive painkiller or can help wean people off other addictive pain medications. Some lawmakers also complained that the DEA wasn't being transparent in its effort to ban the plant. However, cannabis, another pain-killing plant that has been proven to reduce opioid use and overdose, will remain on schedule 1 on the list of most dangerous drugs that have no medical purpose and are illegal for any use. Officials in one Canadian province have recommended that the minimum legal age for marijuana and cannabis products should be 25. Gillian Connolly Ottawa Public Health Manager of Health Promotion and Disease Prevention, told CBC News, quote, One of the things that the research clearly demonstrates is that early access to cannabis can have detrimental effects for brain development and the brain develops up to age 25, end quote. The Canadian Medical Association agrees with the recommendation, but they've acknowledged that such a high age limit would be unrealistic to enforce and instead suggest that there should be purchase limits and THC potency limits for consumers aged 21 to 25. Cannabis advocates argue that the minimum age should match Canada's drinking age limit of 19. Arkansas voters will have their say on at least one medical marijuana proposal this November. The state Supreme Court ruled Thursday. A coalition of groups, including the State Chamber of Commerce and the Arkansas Farm Bureau, had asked the court to prevent officials from counting any votes for the measure. There are two such proposals on the November 8th ballot. The one allowed to stand Thursday allows patients with certain conditions to buy the drug, but differs from the second proposal in their restrictions and regulations. For example, the competing proposal allows patients to grow their own marijuana if they don't live near a dispensary. There still was a pending challenge to the second competing proposal as of Thursday. The court said in its opinion that the challenge largely asked the justices to interpret the content of the amendment, which is not within its purview. Colorado has yet again set another record for monthly marijuana sales. Legal marijuana shops tallied up $126 million in medical and recreational cannabis sales in August, beating the previous month's record of $122.67 million. Over two-thirds of revenue was derived from recreational sales, compared to last August, when about 59% of revenue came from recreational consumers. Year-to-date, Colorado has tallied $846.5 million in sales, bringing in tax revenue of roughly $124.9 million. A prosecutor said Wednesday that he intends to file misdemeanor drug charges against the wife of the Democratic candidate for governor after federal investigators found about two pounds of marijuana at the couple's Utah home. The investigation began after U.S. Postal Service inspectors intercepted a package containing a small amount of pot that Donna Weinholz tried to mail earlier this year to another home she and husband Mike Weinholz own in California. Tuella County Chief Deputy Attorney Gary Sorrell said... Federal investigators went to the couple's Salt Lake City home and found the larger stash of marijuana, which Donna Weinholz told them she uses to treat chronic pain, authorities said. Searle said it appears Donna Weinholz had the drug for her personal use, and there's no evidence her husband was aware she had it. Searle said he plans to file misdemeanor drug possession charges against her soon, meaning she could face up to six months in jail and a $1,000 fine if convicted. Dr. J. Thomas Ungerleider, a UCLA psychiatrist who was among the first researchers to prove the medical benefits of marijuana, has died at the age of 85. In the 1970s and 80s, Ungerleider ran clinical trials that demonstrated marijuana's therapeutic effects for patients with glaucoma and chemotherapy, served on President Nixon's Commission on Marijuana and Drug Abuse, and recommended decriminalizing pot. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, October 13, 2016. I'm Russ Belville.
4: Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. (sighs) Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges.
1: You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick?
4: Okay, tell me about
1: PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Nevada's local leaders are voting yes on two to regulate marijuana.
6: Through this Yes on 2, we're creating a direct line of revenue.
7: Our schools here in Nevada are so underfunded, this would be a great revenue source to expand and improve upon the educational system.
4: If you decriminalize it and regulate it and tax it, uh, it's a win-win.
7: I'm Heidi
5: Swank, and I'm voting yes on question 2.
4: And I'm voting yes on question 2. And I'm
1: voting yes on 2.
7: I'm Kitty Jung, and I'm voting yes on question 2.
2: You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
5: But we also have anecdotal evidence now from Colorado where some of the people
4: who were um, taking uh, marijuana for those purposes, um, the coroner uh, believes after they died there was drug interactions.
2: Okay. Maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical
3: cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email
2: fireduplawyer at gmail.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus.
3: Today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at a story coming out of Utah, uh, late in Utah, where a young man uh, was accused and arrested by police on charges of uh, adulterating uh, the police officer's drink. Uh, He's working at a Subway. He's an employee, a sandwich maker. Uh, 18-year-old man, uh, and according to... The cops, the state crime lab, uh, indicated that there was a presence of a foreign substance in this police officer's drink that he purchased at the subway drive through So uh, this was one of those field tests that they use, uh, and it supposedly uh, determined that there was THC and methamphetamine in this officer's drink. The man's name was Tanis Lloyd Ucana. He was booked on August 8th into the county jail "...on the count of surreptitious administering of a poisonous substance. That is a second-degree felony." So he gets booked and jailed, and the crime lab then takes the drink and does the more thorough testing in an effort to duplicate and confirm the results, according to the crime lab, and they found, quote, "...the initial results could not be duplicated." End quote and that they, quote, are unable to confirm that contaminants were in the officer's drink, end quote. Furthermore, they issued three urine and blood tests on that officer, and there was no THC or methamphetamine in this man's system. Now, uh, the exams also showed that there was nothing medically wrong with the officer. He had gone through the drive-thru shortly after noon on August 8th, took several sips of the drink, and he said he felt like he'd been drugged and had difficulty breaking at an intersection. So, uh, of course, when he was accused of this, he said, I didn't put anything in there. He denied wrongdoing the whole t- time and yet had to suffer through the indignity and the, the, the slander of his good name by being arrested in this charge of surreptitiously poisoning a police officer. And this is based, again, on one of these cheap field tests that they use. The cops use these. They got them in their cars. They they dunk your supposed substance with the little strip or whatever. And if it turns color, uh, it's supposed to indicate that there's drugs in there. Uh, these uh, supposedly came up positive for methamphetamine and THC. But again, these cheap tests have been shown to have many false positives. And this has been well-known for years. And yet our police departments all across the nation are still using these flawed tests to circumvent people's liberty, to arrest them, put cuffs on them, and shove them into cages just because there might be drugs that they detected with with very little uh, guarantee of accuracy. So uh, the department here has uh, not apologized. They did say... Quote, the department would also like to uh, express our appreciation for the patience of Tannis and his family during this investigation. Uh All right. The uh, cop, by the way, after uh, the incident, took several days off (laughs) because of uh, the incident. So uh, probably got paid leave while he was off that. Meanwhile, the young man, Tannis, 18 years old, his life has been upended because of this thing first of all uh they found that he's not going to be able to or he had to delay his uh mormon mission and if you don't know mormon young mormon men when they turn 18 uh generally go off for two years uh, overseas usually uh to proselytize the lds church so uh he had to delay that uh he had uh death death threats and other sorts of threats uh, coming to him online uh it's left him uh in his home, you know, homebound, terrified, uh, to have to deal with, uh, any of the people out there that might, uh, have a problem with them, uh, at the press conference that they just had, uh, the young man said, quote, I still believe in the justice system, but it has put thought into my mind. It got me thinking about the innocence project. Uh, and that's the, uh, that's the project that has so far like cleared over 250 people who've been falsely imprisoned and convicted uh, thanks to uh, dna evidence or other new evidence he continues to say quote i've been lucky that there's been proof to exonerate me but there are other people i realize who are going through that situation there are innocent people who are imprisoned or even put on death row and so they are likely to be uh filing a lawsuit uh in utah civil lawsuit against the uh, police department and uh, the father of course uh Noted that there was no apology From the police So uh, this case we will continue to follow it And let's hope uh, that this man uh, Receives some justice
1: Yeah baby
3: (laughs) Alright that sound means That it's 20 after the hour 420 in the mountain time zone So happy 420 Uh, Alberta Manitoba I think I'm right (laughs) We're here in Vancouver, B.C., live at the International Cannabis Business Conference. We'll be right back with some new polling data in our drug war data mining.
1: Next to THC
0: and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com.
4: The 2016 Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo is only days away, October 14th through the 16th in Phoenix. Register right now at SWCCExpo2016.com. Check out over 100 exhibitors showcasing their businesses and the new advances being made in medical and legal cannabis markets. Plus, a can't-miss exclusive discussion on Arizona's Proposition 205. Check out over 100 exhibitors and thousands of cannabis professionals in Phoenix, October 14th through the 16th. Last-minute registration is open now at SWCCExpo2016.com. Get ready to hear
6: something good about cannabis.
1: I give you Jasmine Huff.
7: Tell us a little bit about Jasmine, give us the good news about how you've gotten to where you are today.
4: Like all good children, I rejected my parents' values and and ran off to become a capitalist in New York City and did a lot of work with an organization called Women 2.0.
6: Looking at the cannabis industry, I said, you know what? Here we have a brand new industry. It's going to be a billion-dollar industry And the rules of who leads this industry and who funds this industry haven't been written yet. Good news. Only on cannabisradio.com.
2: You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on cannabisradio.com.
4: I am a round peg in a square hole.
2: Okay. Maybe you're high, too.
3: New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the
2: web at fingerboardextension.com. Today in the
3: Mines, we give you another update as we rapidly approach Election Day and our marijuana election night coverage here on CannabisRadio.com. We'll be live in Los Angeles at the Drug Policy Alliance Prop 64 watch party. And uh, the polls are looking pretty good. And in addition to state polls, we have some national polls to get to. And let's start in Canada since we're here. According to a forum poll that was published last fall... Uh, they found that uh, people were likely... Th- that they found 18% of Canadians had smoked pot last year. And that 3% were likely and 9% somewhat likely to buy some pot if it were legal. So if you extrapolate that to the entire Canadian uh, population, that's an estimate of 5 million adult Canadians who smoke pot at least once a month. Another 900,000 very likely... To join in, and another 2.1 million somewhat likely to join in. So that's why we're looking here at the International Cannabis Business Conference at an industry in Canada that is really set to explode. Now, in the national scene in the United States, there was a big headline that came out this week from the Pew Research Center, which has been asking about uh, marijuana legalization since the 70s. And they found that 57% of adults in the United States said the use of marijuana should be made legal. Only 37% uh, are in opposition. That want prohibition to continue. This, of course, is uh, supported much more by Democrats at 66% support versus 30% opposition. For the Republicans, though, it's 41% in favor with 55% opposed. And of course, the younger you are, the more likely you are to support legalization. Millennials, uh, people between the ages of 18 and 35, uh, are in favor of legalization with 71% support. Now, taking a look at some of the statewide polls, uh, New Mexico isn't voting on marijuana legalization or any statewide uh, initiative that I'm aware of, but they did have a survey that was published this last Sunday that found 61% of uh, New Mexicans would support uh, a taxed and regulated cannabis industry. Uh, only 34% are in opposition. This is uh, an increase from a 2014 poll. The same survey company found only 44% support. So we've gone up from 44 to 61 in New Mexico in just a couple of years. Now, taking a look at some of the states that will be voting on some uh legalization and some uh, medical proposals in Florida. Uh the University of North Florida's most recent poll released uh just recently found that 77% of Floridians are backing Amendment 2, the Medical Marijuana Amendment. And remember, in Florida, you've got to get 60% to add a constitutional amendment. So they're well ahead of what they need in Florida. Just 18% of the voters are in Florida are against this. Just 18%. And not only is this getting support from Democrats, of course, but even the Republicans in Florida are above the 60% threshold. Uh, for legalizing medical marijuana. So good news coming out of Florida. Meanwhile, uh, we've got some bad news coming out of Arizona. Uh, the most recent poll by OH Predictive Insights, uh, this was conducted at the end of September, uh, shows an increase in support, but it shows the measure behind. Uh, the latest poll shows a 43% support, 47% opposed, and 10% undecided. Back in late August, uh, the measure was behind 40 to 51, so it's gone up from 40 to 43, which is good news, but still uh, a little scary as we get close to election day. Uh, Meanwhile, the Arizona State University's journalism school and the Morrison Institute uh, showed a poll at the same time the 40 to 51 poll was taken that showed the measure 50 to 40 ahead, you know, uh, support. So... There's a question as to how accurate this OH Predictive Insights poll is compared to other pollsters out there. Now, uh, we also have the polls uh, most recently updated by Normal up on their uh, website on October 3rd. Quick rundown shows uh, Californians in support with about uh, 60% support uh, in various polls, about 53% support in Maine. We're looking at 53% support in Massachusetts. 57 percent support in nevada so uh, of the states that will be uh, voting on recreational marijuana legalization it looks good for all of them except arizona at this point as far as medical florida's looking like a lock arkansas has two measures and the polling on those shows the more conservative one with a 50 percent support the more liberal one with 39 percent support And there's not enough recent polling in Montana or North Dakota to really make any sort of predictions. That's your Drug War Data Mining Marijuana Legalization MJ Election Night poll update for October 13th. We are very close to Marijuana Election Night. All right, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will have a couple of interviews I conducted just a couple of hours ago right here on the floor of the International Cannabis Business Conference and Expo in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, at the Hyatt Regency downtown. You're listening to The Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I'm Radical Russ. We're live, and we'll be back right after
2: this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
4: Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com.
1: PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com.
2: I'm Mark Dion. I've spent 32 years in law enforcement from beat cop to sheriff, working every day to protect Mainers. In Maine, there were over
3: 1,700 citations given to adults for marijuana. That takes time. Time better
4: spent solving murders, sexual assault cases, finding missing children. The system is broken. Yes on One regulates marijuana for adults,
2: so police have time to fight serious, violent, and unsolved crimes. It's about time. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey,
4: <laughs> Mel! <Aim out.
2: laughs>
3: Mark Twain once said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today, we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our can of business chronicles. So, uh, looking forward to you saying you know, the change.
7: Yeah.
3: Welcome, everybody, to day one of the International Cannabis Business Conference here in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I'm here with Taryn from Miss Envy Botanicals. Taryn, welcome to the show.
7: Thank you for having me.
3: So tell us about Miss Envy, because I'm looking around your booth here. I see pictures of sexy people kissing. (laughs) (laughs) So what's going on here?
7: So this was actually launched for our Canisutra Sutra line. We make a medicated massage oil and Ooh. a medicated personal lubricant. Everything we do is one hundred percent fair trade, organic, and lab tested. You got to be careful what you're putting down there. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. So in our in our lubricant, we use MCT oil, some essential oils, and four hundred and twenty milligrams of THC, which. Helps increase sensitivity, especially for women, in a longer-lasting orgasm. And it does actually get you high.
3: Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, on, on the male side, is there benefits? On
7: the male side, more stamina. And I actually... I understand stamina I can't believe is I'm saying this on the, on the, on the radio, but um, I used it with somebody who did not ingest or smoke whatsoever. And boy, was he in for a surprise.
5: Wow, wow.
3: Okay. So uh, great products, fair trade, like you mentioned, uh, and it's going to have an effect on you. So uh, if people are worried about drug tests or something like that, they need to keep that in mind? Well,
7: especially for women, you know, we're very soft, membraney, and absorbous So something like that, and it is THC, it is going to get into your bloodstream when being put in that general area yeah. right but with our topical aids we haven't seen that happen as of yet we do a lot of topicals um, we have a buddha butter that was the first product we ever launched in canada and we have great success with uh, psoriasis arthritis and eczema hmm.
3: mm-hmm. fantastic now what is the uh, the legal status of products like this i mean it must be kind of difficult
7: You know, especially with we're in this legal gray area right now, especially within within Canada. But the nice thing about it, most of our products are non psychoactive, so we're not running into as much as much of a problem as like say edible companies are. Cross your fingers. Yeah, yeah. We shall see.
3: (laughs) Of course, the Trudeau's government has promised to legalize, and Mm -hmm. uh, how's
7: that? You know, all all we can do is is hope they they don't take it away from the little guy. I mean. That would be really sad for me to see happen. I would, I really want to see our business flourish, and we, we're helping a lot of people.
3: So, so I, I take it then by context, you are the little guy. How did you get started in this, and how long has this been going on? So
7: we've been operational since 2013. My partner actually uh, started the business, and I really believed in what he was doing. And I, uh, I went on a bit of a spiritual mission through Costa Rica, ate some aboga with a shaman, uh-huh. and woke up and called him and said, you have to hire me. This is what I want to do. I want to be a part of helping you grow and help reach people who really need our help.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so from what industry or background did you come to cannabis, come to this industry?
7: Well, well I've been working in the cannabis industry for a couple of years. I'd actually uh, worked in a dispensary. I won't say which one, because then mm-hmm. that's... Just not fair to everybody else. Right, right. And um, he and I became very close friends. He helped me through some very rough times, and I knew that this was what I wanted to do.
3: Fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right. So for the people listening out there that might want to know more about Miss Envy Botanicals here in Vancouver. Are you throughout Canada, by the way, or just We are.
7: We're presently in 120 shops across Canada at the moment. So you can find us... You can find us at a top. BC Pain Society in Vancouver, all of the Canna Clinics, the village, there's a ton of them.
3: Is there some online contacts you want to give us? So now, if you want
7: to check us out, you can find us at missenvy.ca. And then we are also on Twitter and on Instagram. Our Instagram is missenvy.botanicals.
6: And our Twitter is missenvy.botanicals
7: as well.
8: And who was just telling us that?
3: So
7: that was Tennille. I have a a concussion and terrible memory for this (laughs) stuff. Plus, Instagram keeps deleting us, like us.
3: Yeah, yeah. Help them out there. Check out all of those uh, addresses we just gave you out. Miss Envy Botanicals, Taryn, thanks for talking to us, and have yourself a great expo.
7: Thank you for having me.
8: Yes, you can absolutely help yourself. All right, uh, so we're sitting here uh, with uh, Russ Belleville. Radical Russ from Cannabis Radio, is that right? That's right. Uh, Cannabis Radio. So tell me about Cannabis Radio. What does Cannabis Radio do? Cannabisradio.com is the uh, world's source for the best in
3: cannabis related podcasts, whether it be cultivation, activism, law. Business, we've got it all.
8: Awesome. So these are, these are uh, it's a podcast hub essentially for, for people who are producing content. Exactly. Uh, and
3: Guy O'Bealam, the uh, MC here, oh, has yeah. a comedy podcast on oh, as well. So we, we, we cover the culture, we cover all aspects medical, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and also, we have uh, my show, uh, the Russ Belvel show, which is live uh-huh. every uh, weekday from three and to this five. Is, Pacific. This is audio
8: only. This yeah, is it's, it's all radio, all radio. and
3: uh, it's kind of—I've been called the NPR of POT. The NPR so of POT. So I do like interviews, gotcha. and analysis, and data, and polls, and opinion. It's kind of a, a news program. Yeah.
8: Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So we're uh, social media. Sounds like a, a similar play, but with a with a little more video and a little more media involved. So and, and, and tell folks your name, by the way. Uh, so my name is Riel Rusopoulos. Uh I am the uh, the director of social media. We're a marketing agency. We we do packaging and branding and sort of go to market strategies for. Weed companies. so we okay. have uh, Glacial Gold is probably our best known uh, company that makes shatter and extracts and stuff. Okay, uh, and essentially, social media is you know the soapbox for people to be able to to get up and and tell their story about their client, their 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 product and their company. And there's some tools for giving out, uh, you know, for, for coupons and is and it, is and it and also stuff. like
1: with reviews and yeah and yeah such?
8: yeah actually and it's incentivized so people okay. people get points for leaving reviews they can share the reviews the more people that click their 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 links they get points for that kind of stuff and then eventually they can change uh cash those points in for for a, essentially like a currency that they can buy stuff off the site from huh. from the same people who are advertising essentially cool. right okay that's so excellent a, so yeah it's a it's a uh incentivized review platform is how i would describe it
3: is this the launch or has it been around for a while
8: uh, we, I think, officially we're still in beta. We we kind of soft launched at 4:20 this year, and and we've just been been building the tools and proving the model really with Glacial Gold and some of our of our early companies just to, to So I wouldn't even say we're really launched yet. We're in soft launch mode. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would say right now. So there are there are companies on the platform. You're, it's easy to add businesses if you if you go on and there's a uh, some genealogy. So for example, you have uh, you probably have a, a relationship with a bunch of businesses you know you could give us a spreadsheet of people that would just import you know here these are all your businesses that you imported on you get points for that and they all get a hey Russ just you know added you to social media come check your your profile that's kind of how we work with a dispensary or or anybody who already has their own kind of list that they want to onboard these people onto our platform. Hmm. So socialmedia.com uh, social W-E-E-D-I-A, W-E-E-D-I-A
3: socialmedia.com the, the social media play, obviously. Right, exactly. Uh, I know that a lot of people in the advertising marketing space have run into difficulties on the internet. Things like you know Google
8: AdSense, Facebook and such Instagram canceling accounts.
3: Have you run into any uh, uh, problems that
2: way?
8: Uh, well, no. and I mean effectively that's what we're trying to provide the, the solution to that, mm-hmm. right? Come set up a social media profile. You can Post your photos the same way you can on Instagram. You can share links. You can, you know, I mean, we're the replacement for gotcha. those uh, for those platforms that you know isn't going to get deleted for for uh, whatever random terms of service violation that they decided that you you know whatever twenty year old was manning the gate that day.
3: So this is something that both
8: consumers and providers. Could be a part of the businesses yes. and their customers. Yes, uh, ideally, lots of both would yeah. be the uh, would be the the right model. Yeah, I mean the the so for the for the public, it's a place for them to leave, you know, hey, I just tried this great new product and I want to leave a review on it, whether it's in our directory or not yet. And then and then from the flip side, if you're a, if you're a, a producer or a company making these products, obviously it's a way for you to connect. And we have some contesting tools and some things like. Uh, unique IDs that you can put on your product so people can register to, to win and things like that that are again engagement tools for the for the companies to, to be able to start connecting with their audience directly instead of just through the dispensaries or, or whoever they're selling through
3: hmm, fantastic socialmedia.com com and uh, are there any costs involved with this for either the customers or the businesses
8: uh, not at this point uh, the the businesses we have a uh, I mean this is essentially an introduction to our services so if uh, they're looking for marketing assistance, uh, then, then I mean, we're an ad agency, so we can provide branding and packaging and, and you know, that kind of development. Uh, but there's no cost to be on the platform, and, and that's just a, yeah, that's a, a benefit to everybody, basically, to, to have everybody in a, in one place. So, yeah, there's no cost to, to anybody to participate.
3: So, uh, being on the internet, I guess, there is there any sort of geographical limitation on this? Are you
8: Canada only, or US no, is involved? No, uh, I mean... There's no geographic location. We're focused right now on Canada because we are in Canada. And Canada is an exciting place from the point of view that it's a nationally... Uh, synchronous play so in yeah. other words unlike the states where some states it's legal some states it's not even if it's legal in Washington and Oregon I can't you know ship my pro- So uh looking forward you say you know the change takes time in the next 10 20 years we
3: may see you know not just Canada but uh, United States even Mexico all of North America possibly being legalized and as those stigmas fade if the if the Google's and Facebook's and Instagram start being more friendly to this do you feel that There's a threat to to socialmedia.com, or is there enough value add that even even if they were accepting business, you'd still be flying?
8: Yeah, I think... I mean, again, you know, just there's always... There's always room for specialists who do the job better than a generalist. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think in that way we would be able to compete. And also let's not forget we can plug into other people's ad networks. It's not like having more people selling ads for us would be a bad thing. Right, Google, right. you know, I've made a lot of money on Google, not on Google websites, but having their ads embedded on on properties that drove traffic. So if you're a media company and you understand how to how to get people to listen in your case or watch or you know or flip the pages of your magazine, then then there are people who are gonna wanna advertise. It's just figuring out the you know, companies like Google and Facebook can't do it right now because there's too many you know, national restrictions for them, it's not worth right. the, the market's too small, it's not worth it for them but you know, it's worth it for other people to, to get in there ahead of time and then when it does become legal, I just think it, it opens up more channels for revenue for you rather than being a, a necessarily a competitor they're not going to start a weed related site right? right. They'll, they'll have some groups on their platforms that, that are related but at the end of the day, they're an ad platform that wants to sell more ads so if they can put ads on our platform then I'm happy to put their code on my platform and, and monetize that way as well all right.
3: Sounds like a good plan. It's socialmedia.com. I encourage everyone to check this out, and, and thanks for taking the time to tell us all about it. Anything Actually, else you'd I like should, to tell you know them? what?
8: I should really specify for your listeners. Right now, it's a closed community. Okay. So uh, either if you check your phone, for example, you see there's a hotspot here for yeah. social media. So if you're at a dispensary that has our hotspots, you can sign up through our hotspots. Or you have to be referred by somebody who is already a member. Okay. So they have a, a referral link when they're signed in, and they can email you a referral link. So you, so basically, we have to get you signed up before you leave here, okay. so that any of your members can get a referral link from you. All right. And that way, they're uh, they're signed up through you, basically.
3: All right. Yeah. You Guys are all following me out there on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Radical Russ, and we'll put the links out there and uh, make it happen. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Thanks so much for taking the time. And, yeah, uh, we'll Thanks talk for taking again the time sometime. for
8: us. I like the double interview format. I, I, I it's know. Good. It's like two
3: birds with one stone, <laughs> folks.
2: <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
0: From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the
7: greenhouse to the
0: dispensary. CannabisRadio.com
5: Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with Uniform Genetic Profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally
4: chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of tilk radio
9: obama for instance
4: no matter what he said
9: there's a whole bunch of people that are going to be against him for saying whatever it is santa claus is a nice guy someone says oh santa claus must be a thief if obama (laughs) likes him (laughs) you know what i mean yeah it's a racist attitude
4: the Tommy chong podcast Only on cannabisradio.com.
2: Welcome to my world. world, world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show on cannabisradio.com. Adrian, I, I, I
5: finished it. I got
2: Adrian. Okay. Maybe you're high, too.
3: Marijuana legalization is a worldwide phenomenon. Get yourself positioned for the global cannabis marketplace by attending the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You'll learn from established cannabis business professionals, elected officials, and internationally recognized marijuana law reform activists. You'll also enjoy the ICBC's famous VIP party featuring ICBC's special guest speaker and Canadian native, Tommy Chong. The ICBC is happening in Vancouver on Thursday and Friday, October 13th and 14th at the Hyatt Regency. Log on to internationalcbc.com today to reserve your tickets. That's internationalcbc.com and bookmark our page for the next ICBCs taking place in Berlin, Germany and San Francisco, California. Don't miss the International Cannabis Business Conference, internationalcbc.com.
1: I
9: experimented with marijuana at a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale.
1: One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant.
3: All right, welcome back. We're live in Vancouver, British Columbia at the International Cannabis Business Conference. And today for the rant, I want to direct it out to the opponents of marijuana legalization that don't smoke pot. You know, the real prohibitionists out there, people like Kevin Sabet and all the others who had such dire predictions back in 2011 and 2012 about what sort of hellscape we would unleash in America if states were allowed to legalize pot. Well, it's now, what, three, four years after legalization has happened, and uh, we've got some results. We've got some actual data to work with, and the Drug Policy Alliance has today issued a new report on the results of legalization. So let's take a look at some of the claims uh, from Kevin Sabet, Project Sam, Patrick Kennedy, all the rest of those guys from back in 2011, 2012. First of all, uh, youth use youth use? How much uh, would kids use marijuana? We, we heard so much that if we legalized marijuana, we would send the wrong message to the children. Oh my God, what would the kids think? They'll think marijuana is okay. Next thing you know, they're all getting high. They're all dropping out. Uh, the world goes to hell. Well, that hasn't happened. According to the 2015 Monitoring the Future survey, and this is a survey of 8th, 10th, and 12th graders, Since 2010, the annual prevalence of youth marijuana use has leveled out. Hasn't gone up, hadn't gone down, at least in a statistically significant way. Since 2010, six years now. Well, 2015 is the survey, so five years worth of survey data, before and after legalization, has shown that the message to the nation's youth has not been heard, apparently. They're not increasing their marijuana use. But what about the individual states? Well, the Washington Healthy Youth Survey, they run this every couple of years, and they ask 6th, 8th, 10th, and 12th graders, and they find there was no significant trends in youth marijuana use between 2002 and 2014. Over the past 12 years, including the last two years after legalization, there's not been much change. Between 2012 and 2014, The rates of 8th and 10th graders currently using marijuana in the past month decreased slightly, and the 6th graders and the 12th graders remained the same. That's Washington State. In Colorado, their Department of Public Health and the Environment issues their 2015 Healthy Kids Colorado Survey. This is to 17,000 middle and high school students. And the number of youth that report that they'd used marijuana in the past month declined 25% from 2009 three years before legalization oh it declined from 25% excuse me declined from 25% in 2009 to 21.2% in 2015 three years before it's at 25 two years after it's at 21.2 furthermore the rate of youth in Colorado who admitted to lifetime use ever trying marijuana has remained stable in Oregon, 2015, our Oregon Healthy Teens Survey, they do this every other year, to 8th and 11th graders in the state. They've found that the current marijuana use among youth remains stable after the state legalized in 2014. And in Alaska, the Youth Risk Behavior Survey, every two years to students in grades 9 and 12, also reports that the percentage of high school students who reported current marijuana use in the past 30 days remains statistically stable after legalization. Now, to be fair, adult marijuana use only became legal in the end of February 2015, so it's not a ton of time here to collect data yet in Alaska. And Alaska doesn't have any sales yet, so jury's still out there. How about arrests? Marijuana arrests. Uh, We've often uh, uh, heard these... uh, these uh, uh, prohibitionists talk about how uh, legalizing marijuana is not really going to uh, free up any cops' time. Well, it's not really the, because alcohol has is legal and has regulations. And my gosh, there's so many arrests related to alcohol and its enforcement. Remember, remember that little line. Well, looking at the arrests in Colorado, total number of arrests decreased by forty six percent between twenty twelve and twenty fourteen, from almost thirteen thousand to just over 7,000. That's all marijuana arrests. The number of court filings for any marijuana charge declined 81% in that same span, or 2012 to 2015, from over 10,000 to just under 2,000. And felony marijuana filings, again, the the stuff that's not made legal in Colorado, the felony marijuana filings down 45%. In Washington State, the total number of low-level marijuana court filings fell by 98%, from almost 7,000 in 2011 to 120 in 2013. Now, the low level they're talking about is below felony. In Washington State, 40 grams is a felony. 28 to 40 is still a misdemeanor, right? So we're talking about those 28 to 40s went from over almost 7,000 to just 120. Uh, as far as all court filings, Washington State dropped by 63% for all charges. Now, in Washington, D.C., marijuana arrests decreased 85% from 2014 to 2015. Possession arrests dropped 98% from 1840 to just 32 in 2015. In Alaska, charges and arrests decreased by 59% between 2013 and 2015. In Oregon, marijuana arrests have declined 50% from 2011 to 2014 for all marijuana offenses so in every place that's legalized substantially fewer arrests substantially fewer charges which has to mean there's more time for our criminal justice system to deal with more important matters there still remains one problem the data from Colorado and Washington show us that even though the legalization has substantially reduced the total number of minorities of blacks and Latinos that get arrested like the overall total is way down the the Racial disparity is not. And that just shows us that the racial disparity in criminal justice isn't just a marijuana phenomenon. It exists all throughout criminal justice. Still, far fewer blacks and Latinos being arrested is a good thing. We need greater reforms over our entire criminal justice system before it will affect that racial disparity. How about the roads? Remember, we're going to legalize marijuana. And, oh, my God, stoned mayhem on the freeways. All the stoners will be out there driving. We got no way to catch them. Got no breathalyzer. What the hell's going to happen? Well, here's what happened. The total number of arrests for DUI for both alcohol and other drugs, including marijuana, has declined in Colorado and Washington. Colorado State Patrol says the number of DUI citations declined 18% from 2014 to 2015. And according to Washington State Patrol, all DUI arrests declined 8% from 2013 to 2014. Now, the uh, the naysayers will say, well, that's all DUIs. That's the alcohol DUIs have gone down uh, in a large degree. And that's true. But how do we know that those didn't go down because people switched from alcohol to marijuana now that it's legal? Because very few of the overall DUI arrests in Colorado and Washington have marijuana as the only drug. It was about 8% in Colorado and about 4% in Washington. Also, marijuana, even though it was involved in Colorado, it was uh, involved in slightly fewer DUI arrests from 2014 to 2015. And the post-legalization traffic fatality rate, how many people are dying on the roads, has stayed statistically consistent and is lower in each state than the decade before and remain lower than the national average. Now, Oregon, Alaska, we don't have as much data yet, but the early indications show that the traffic fatalities and problems haven't increased in those states either. And what about the money? Ah, uh, you remember, remember Kevin Sabet telling us that for every one dollar you get in alcohol and tobacco ta- taxes, they cost us ten dollars in public costs. That it's it's a lot. It's a loser because you're not going to ever raise as much revenue as what it costs society. Well, according to uh, Colorado's revenues, uh, they were projected to bring in $70 million a year. They went on to bring in $78 million in the first year and went on to bring in $129 million in the second fiscal year. So, what's that, about $200 million or so? So, Kevin, can you point out $2 billion in costs in Colorado? In Washington, they had predicted it would be $162 million in the first two years. $162 million. In the first year, they got uh, 78 million. In the second year, they got 186 million. Their total that they got, if they include all the rest, 220 million versus 162 million projection. 220 million. Again, we need to find, Kevin, $2.2 $2 billion in marijuana related costs in Washington state to make your uh, analogy fit. Hell, I'll give you a break even. If you can find 220 million in costs, how about Oregon? Our revenue office estimated an average of $23 million a year. Uh, they recently upgraded that to $31 million. Turns out we've been making about $4 million a month in Oregon, and $22.5 million just in the first six months. So that's on track for $45 million versus a $31 million estimate. So sorry, Kevin Sabet. Sorry, Patrick Kennedy. Sorry for all you prohibitionists out there, but every prediction you made about how marijuana legalization would lead to the downfall of society has been proven false that's all the time we got for hour one folks stay tuned hour two is next toker talk radio phone lines are open at 650 legal mj and we'll be talking to some great people here live in vancouver for everyone here at cannabis i'm radical russ thanks for listening and until next time take care of each other tokers
2: this is the russ Belleville show the Rust Belville show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com.
1: You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you
5: plan
0: it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you mm-hmm. roll it, you smoke it, it smoking, and it goes down to soon. <laughs>
2: It's not your father's Woodstock weed. (laughs) This is the Russ Beldell Show on
3: CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. We are live in Vancouver, British Columbia at the International Cannabis Business Conference, and I thought it would be nice to talk to a Vancouver native, maybe get the the feel of this uh, great city, and I found a really good one. It's uh, a fellow by the name of Tommy Chong, did I get that correct? Uh, yeah, that's right, <laughs> Fantastic. Tommy Chong, yeah. Thanks for being here, Tommy. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you.
9: Great, great to be back in Vancouver.
3: And, and uh, you got to be pretty excited about you know what's happening in, in California and all around the U.S. and here in Canada as far as yeah, legalization yeah, goes. Yeah,
9: we're, we're slowly getting there.
3: Yeah, yeah. How, how do you feel about the uh, the, the prospects of passing oh, in California? Oh, man,
9: it's, it's happening. You know? yeah. Well, you know, you get Trudeau in power. That's a good sign. Yeah, you know, get get rid of Harper and all that that bush after smell. You know, <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. Now, now, uh, now we're going to be uh, we're going to be prosperous again. You know,
3: yeah. And how are your uh, various uh, business ventures going? I know you got the Chong Bongs, you have got the rolling papers
9: and such. They're us- all you know, they're all helping support my starving kids. You know, <laughs> they're my kids, but yeah. still, you know. It's uh, no, it's all it's all going good. Yeah, you know, I'm just glad that I'm still physically able to uh, to still enjoy it. And no kidding.
3: I, you know, we I know your time is very limited here. You've got your uh, uh, your keynote that you're about to go up and do. What yeah. uh, What are some of the things you want to leave our listeners with uh, as far as
4: this well, I know experience? I just want
9: everybody to be uh, as happy as I yeah. am, and, uh, and that, and if, they, if I can get everybody. To, just uh, you know, a tenth of as happy as I've been with my life, then I'll be satisfied. That's fantastic. Well, Tommy,
3: I know you got to go. You got to get to that uh, that keynote. Uh, uh, enjoy the uh, expo. Thanks for stopping by and talking to my us. Pleasure, man. Good luck Anytime. with everything.
9: I'll come back when I got more time.
3: All right, I'll be here tomorrow. So okay. if you're here, we'll I'll be see here. You. All right. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks so much. Yes. uh, Having a great time here at the International Cannabis Business Conference. It's the amazing people that you get to meet and talk to here. There are a few more uh, around uh, that we'll get a chance to talk to. Uh, Steve Bloom now uh, has appeared in the room here. He's getting Tommy out to the uh, the keynote. Steve will be interviewing uh, Tommy Chong. And uh, we've got another great guy here uh, we could talk to, the legendary – reggae artist, Rocker T. Rocker T, welcome back. How you doing? What's up, Russ?
0: How you doing, man? I'm doing great. That's fantastic. Passing through. Yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, uh,
3: we've gotten to see each other a few times at these events uh, that Alex puts on, and I've, I've gotten to see your performances. They've been great. Uh, tell us about tonight. Tell us about your feelings here in Canada, and, and just generally how legalization is taking I over. love
0: being in Vancouver. I haven't been here in three years. Yeah? And I had a great time then. I'm having a great time now. I just went out for the whole day. Just having a ball.
3: It's kind of stormy today, though. Yeah,
0: well, I waited for the rain to to settle, and I wasn't too worried about that. You know, I, I don't mind the weather. Yeah. It's nice here, real nice here, and folks are super, super kind and just have a good time. And it just got me really charged, yeah, really charged up for tonight.
3: Absolutely, you I know? mean, you're OG. You go way back as far as being a supporter, <laughs> being Sorry. a supporter of cannabis and, and its legalization. And uh, how does it feel that now that like the rest of the world's coming around to this? And do you worry that maybe they're not getting the full cultural or spiritual aspects right?
0: Yeah, sometimes I do. I do like check on how we, like we were we were doing it, no matter what was done to yeah. us in return. And it's much more comfortable for folks. So I think that I don't think it's it's left out in any way. But I think that some folks maybe just kinda jump past the real roots of yeah. of the actual even the plant itself that it's it's a mystical plant that kinda reached out I think to to us mm-hmm. more than than we like put our print on it yeah. and it continues to do so it's still healing us it's still helping us in so many ways so i think that's just it's important to remind people of those kind of things and and the roots of the struggle as well yeah that the struggle of the rastafarians the the indians who came west from from india yeah and the, and the rastafarians in jamaica and then the, the struggle with the mexican people in the southwest as well and, and the natives and, and all, and like native plant, indigenous people, indigenous right. plants, right? Right, right. So I just, I, I won't stop
3: reminding folks, you
0: it, know, I keep it positive. It's, it's, always, <laughs> yes. it's always quite
8: telling
3: how uh, the natural entheogens used by indigenous peoples are the ones that became criminalized, but the pharmaceutical synthetic preparations made by corporations run by white folks, those are just fine. Right. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> just
0: that thing that be going on. Like, yeah. So, we, you know, my family and I, we keep old ways a lot. We keep ancestral ways and, and practices and memories. And yeah. we keep the story. Going.
3: So what's happening <laughs> lately with uh, your musical career? Are there any new albums or, or any collaborations? Or
0: Yeah, I put out a new album in June, The Return of the Chu Ganja Man. Excellent. The 20-year anniversary of the original Chu Ganja Man track. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: That's fantastic. Love so, that track.
0: And I've collaborated with Gappy Ranks again, collaborated with President Brown this time. Yeah. A bunch of people, Skip, Skip Wicked, Mama T from Hawaii. Uh, made a song with Mr. Williams and Michael Rose from Black Uhuru. Oh yeah, and that is doing doing very well.
3: So, and folks, uh, for the listeners out there, we're uh, going to
0: be performing tonight at the at the studio records to yes. some of the new stuff i'll be definitely dropping
3: some of the new stuff oh looking forward to that and and just real quick i'm going to uh put in the background here a little bit of true ganjaman true ganjaman yes
0: i, tri- oh, tri- I. Oh, okay. Oops. Oops. wrong that's one the the there tune right great there tri- <laughs> kind of sent that's... me on a worldwide journey that's who, when that tune it, came out I, I started traveling everywhere
3: yeah yeah uh I, actually i can't get that uh can't get that track to start so i'll have to hold off on that but uh yeah, it's uh, it's amazing the changes that are happening, and uh, to me, uh, part of this that's that's so uh, wonderful is the uh, the embrace of these um, I don't know I would call it hippie, but these these this ethos from the '60s and '70s that was about sustainability and ecological you know understanding and and, and recycling and all that. So to me, it's it's you know the marijuana part of it, the ganja part, cannabis part is part of a bigger cycle that we're starting to experience yeah. do you
0: think yeah i think that's a that's like a normal part of someone's everyday thing in their jar on their table yeah right on so you, you know got that, the performance that that's up? that's like a regular thing it's 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 a, to me it's always been so like incredible that it's so demonized yeah and it's like Normal thing for so many people for how so many thousands of years. Yeah, yeah, it's just normal. Do you that think that uh, you stay healthy and you stay calm and you know less violence and you know all kind of things? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think
3: that uh, legalization and the change in the culture and the mainstream acceptance takes anything away from our culture or or, or you know? Because I, I have some people that are like, yeah, but. You know, in the in the old days, you know, when it's illegal, everybody has to share and everybody has to be, you know, concerned with each other and watch each other's back where when it's legal, maybe people separate more and, and, and don't have as much community. Do you worry about that? Well, we just gotta keep sharing. Yeah.
0: You know, I I share. <laughs> and I got I know a lot of people who share. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, sharing means caring. Yeah, so I think that's the way to, to negate any worry about that. Yeah, to just make sure that sharing doesn't cease, you know. Yeah, right on, yeah. right on.
3: So, uh, if the people listening out there want to uh, find your music or get in touch with you online, do you have any contact form?
0: Easiest way is Instagram, Rocker T E E R O C K E R T E E. Right on on Instagram. I'm on SoundCloud, Rocker-T on SoundCloud, and I have a Bandcamp also, Rocker-T. All right, It's on Bandcamp.
3: Excellent. Well, Rocker T, Rush thanks for stopping by, brother. Us. And we'll see you tonight at the uh, after party. It'll be a Much lot of fun. love, man. Yes, I. All right. Hey, uh, we got more guests that will be appearing here uh, all throughout this hour, too. I, I can't you know, give you a schedule because everybody's kind of wandering in, wandering out. Uh, as I can grab them, I will grab them. So uh, Tommy Chong and Rocker T, great talking to them. I'm looking around to see who else we might get here. I, uh, Ed Rosenthal was here earlier. His, his desk is right next to mine. And earlier today, if you've been following my Instagram account, you'll, you'll recognize that uh, I've been involved in a couple of safety meetings already here in Vancouver. And uh, Ed was uh, so gracious <laughs> at one of the safety meetings. And man, gotta say, talk about good ganja. My, ugh, so uh, while we were there in our smoke session, we got a chance to discuss California's Prop 64 a little bit. And... I won't go too much into it because you know I'll let him speak for himself. But he's not a proponent; he's not for it. Uh, and and much of his reasoning has to do with a, a feeling that it's it's not going to create a statewide sort of uh, uh, consistent uh, legalization. Right? That there's going to be these localities that ban or overtax, and and then others that don't. Uh, that is is a strange objection, I think, just because that's what you got now. (laughs) And that's what medical marijuana is now, is a patchwork all throughout the state. Uh, But it was interesting to get to talk to him, and one other thing that he pointed out was that he's not really like a vocal anti-Prop 64 person because he feels that it's a slam dunk to pass. So why, you know, he says... His quote was, uh, it'd be like, you know, nobody's going to notice you pissing in the Columbia River. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that, that that's, you know, why waste the political capital, uh, you know, uh, damage to the brand, whatever it might be. Uh, why do that when the damn thing's not even going to be close? So that made me kind of feel good to know that, you know, Ed Rosenthal, somebody who really doesn't like Prop 64, still is pretty convinced it's going to pass. So. We'll see if we can get out on the the mic here a little later. Again, people are wandering all around at the International Cannabis Business Conference right here in Vancouver, British Columbia. We've got uh, also Joy Beckerman is here, uh, Hemp Ace International, one of the nation's leading experts on industrial hemp. Uh, hempcrete, building materials, and so forth. Uh, She is around. We'll see if we can get her on the mic as well. We've also got our live phone line open. If you've got any comments, questions, concerns, topics, anything you want to talk about, our phone line is 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565 for your LEGAL-MJ here. And we will uh, get to that. Um, We've got... uh, Plenty to talk about here. Some more stories to get to. There is a, uh, a sto- story out of. Uh, uh, it, that thing is not supposed to do that. <laughs> we got some uh, a story out of of uh, the UK on CBD. Uh, a decision that they've made regarding CBD that is uh, quite interesting for us. We'll have to discuss that a little bit. We've also got. Uh, more coming up with respect to our uh, polling data. We've got some of that that I wasn't able to get to in the first hour. We've also got um, uh, more on the effects of legalization. The flip side of it, what are the current effects of prohibition in the other 46 states? Oh, and by the way, uh, if you're wondering why we started out the hour with uh, this second hour with the first hour's intro, uh, I forgot to push record (laughs) on the recorder and missed the first six minutes, so I... Had to do it over again so I could fix it in post. Uh, they'll, they'll never know, right? They'll, it'll, it'll be completely seamless. <laughs> We're doing it live. We're always doing it live here. And uh, we are uh, just awaiting the uh, safety meeting that we have to go to here in just a little bit. And uh, we'll also get a chance to uh, hear some music from Rocker T. We're going to play his true ganja man uh, just as soon as we can, uh, as soon as that comes up uh, for our 420 break. I thought that would be quite appropriate uh we shall see <laughs> there's so much uh, so much going on around me right now that uh, I'm a little distracted i I hope that's not too uh, disconcerting but uh we are going to uh give you some rocker tea here for our 20 after break it is 4.20 here in the Pacific time zone smoke em if you got him <laughs>
5: Me chant, me chant, oh says I fear Babylon. Them, them say I'm a too contrarian. No, I'm not fear Babylon. Them say, I'm a true ganja ah, man Take a look in Genesis I'm say book number one ah, That make the herbs Need for the human ah, It's that way back All from creation ah, That was the time When the weed come from ah, So that make the herb Give it on to Adam ah, That man they lose That's so all make it Find Abraham ah, Old man Moses Climb on Zion How ah, will they find The city that grave of Salaman ah, Fireman Now it is a wheel Of wisdom Come you For inspiration ah, I know they want For Take me childish out fight time tradition. man with wicked a man. start revolution. oh, says I fear Babylon. Tell them, say I'm a true No, I fear Babylon. Tell them, say I'm a true They find you cancer, in a Babylon. And if you fit, you Link the chalwa Gabriel Alamla Sata Amasagana. Ghana Peace love Give thanks and some praise before your burn the ganja And that is the blessing from all fighting chancha And who bring the message the liquor raka. Me born on me grow as a New Yorker But when me go round the world they say me from America Look in me left pocket find a baga of ganja Look in the same pocket I find me lighter Look in the next pocket I'll a quarter Bring me your orange juice Some too high for car. But you me got the bomb type of sense. And if you have a little hash, I mix it together. You pass me the herb and the Dutch master. I wake up on the cinnammon on the street So what oh says I fear Babylon. Tell them say I'm a true Ganjamman. No, me not fear Babylon. I'm a true guy, Me talking some rude rock and reality. I open the mic now, the one rock rocket. Me born and we go in a New York City. Me compete, it's the people, love and unity. It's every type of man, them, we smoke sense. The young and the middle and the elderly. The rich man and the man, we living in a poverty. Some of them are bellyful and some them are hungry. So when we get together in our community, we take a one job, feel love with family. And pass it around this cypher to treat the great and know your cat bless that you want it done properly. The healing of the nation certainly. You light it and you pass it on your field highway. Some them I follow me, some of them I disagree. Nobody could ever a a take away my sensitivity. Oh, says I fear Babylon. Tell them, say, I'm a true gunja man. No, we don't fear Babylon. Tell them, say, i am a to too Ganja man. Oh, says I fear Babylon. Tell them say I'm a true Ganon. No, me no fear Babylon. Tell them, say I'm a true Sanjama. Awo, awa. awo, awo. It's Gbagbamasa Ghana, Sataama Ghana, Na Lamla, Madani Halam. Me oh, said I fear Babylon. Tell them, say I'm a No, me no fear Babylon. Tell them, say I'm a that's how I feel, Babylon. Tell them, say, I'm a two-day-saman. No, in a fear, Babylon. Tell them, say, I'm a two-day-saman. Oh, that's how I feel, Babylon. Tell them, say, I'm a two-day-saman.
4: being green is good growing green is good making green is great cannabisradio.com More
7: flavors. When legalizing
3: safe, responsible adult use of marijuana, the most important question is how. By
7: voting yes on Prop 64, adults 21 and over could only purchase marijuana at licensed marijuana businesses. And Prop 64 bans advertising directed at
1: kids, requires strict product labeling, childproof packaging, and bans
5: edibles that appeal to children. Smart provisions to safeguard our families.
7: Learn more about the safeguards at yeson64.org.
2: You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. What
7: would
4: you do if you were elected about Aleppo? About Aleppo. And what is
2: Aleppo? Okay, maybe you're high, too. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michael from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Welcome back, everyone. It is 26 after the hour here, and the strangest thing just happened. I mean... 420 hit, and everybody split. (laughs) I'm looking for people to interview. It's like, damn, everybody just bailed. So uh, we'll have a few uh, stopping by. Joy Beckerman's going to come by. Uh, Anthony Johnson, uh, the proponent of Oregon's legalization, should be stopping by, as well as Alex Rogers, the organizer of this International Cannabis Business Conference, at which we are broadcasting live. This is our uh, Vancouver BC remote studio. So I'm supposed to say a after everything and pronounce things like a boot. (laughs) So I think that's the way it works. Uh, Earlier in the show, I was talking about the new Drug Policy Alliance report that's out. This is the one that uh, is pointing out all of the results of legalization. You know, the fact that youth use has remained steady, didn't all increase. Arrests have declined dramatically. The roads are safer than they were before, and we've reaped over $200 million in tax revenue in Washington and in Colorado each, uh, and we're uh, on track for $45 million here, or down there in Oregon. So we've kind of covered what legalization has wrought. There's another report that's out uh, from Quest Diagnostics as to what... Legalization has wrought, and that is an increase in people testing positive for drugs in workplace drug tests. In 2015, Quest Diagnostics did 9.5 million piss tests, 900,000 spit tests, and 200,000 hair tests. And ever since 1988, when they first started doing their drug testing, and and When they did that, it was like 13% of the workforce, like one out of eight, more than one out of eight were testing positive. Since 1988, it's gone down every year, consistently gone down every year, except for 2013, 2014, 2015. Since 2012, the rate has slowly been creeping up. So uh, according to Quest... This uh, rate of positive drug test is now a 10-year high, and the oral drug testing results. This is the spit test, right? The one, and, and and to be fair, the the spit test will detect more recent. Well, the best way to put it is its detection window is shorter than a piss test, right? Like a piss test will show you positive for you know a couple days, three days, uh, whereas a oral fluid test is usually good. You know, four to six hours, something like that. So they're they're, they're trying to say here that actually it's uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, six to twenty four hours. So they're trying to say, well, you know, this is showing more recent use, and that's increased forty seven percent over the past three years, uh, from nine point one or from six point seven percent in 2013 to nine point one percent in 2015. And according to Quest, the increase was quote largely driven by double digit increases in marijuana positivity. In 2015, there was a 25% relative increase in marijuana detection as compared to 2014, end quote. Now, this is one of those results. Now, this isn't in the DPA uh, uh, report, by the way. This is Quest's own report. And this is one of those situations where they throw a scary stat at you. Oh, my God, there's more workplace drug testing positives. as And you're supposed to just infer that that's a bad thing that we're catching more people. It's it's bad, because if people are using drugs, then bad things happen, right? Well, here's the deal. When Quest began their drug testing back in 1988, like I mentioned, it was 13%. Was the workplace a hellscape back then in 1988? I was working back then, doing a lot of temp jobs. I don't recall it being a terrible place to be. But... You know, there's ways we can determine this. We can look at statistics, okay? So the Bureau of Justice Statistics, the BJS, they have data online, but it only goes back to 1994, okay? So I can't tell you what the workplace was like in 88 when 13% were testing positive. But in 94, they were detecting about twice the positives in urine tests than they're detecting today. It's like 3.5% today, and it was like about 7% then, roughly. Uh, So back then, if you look at the BJS statistics, there was an 8.4% illness and injury rate. 8.4%. Now, the drug test positives and the illness injury rate over time since 1994 have declined every year. Okay? So both drug testing and injuries and illnesses in the workplace both both have declined. And and so the proponents of drug testing will point at that and say, well, see, the more we drug tested, the fewer people were positive, the more the injuries and illnesses went down. Therefore, drug testing must be a good thing, because if we don't drug test, oh, my God, we'll have more illness and injury. Here's the problem. The illness and injury rate in 2012 was 3.4 percent, and that's down from that 8.4 percent. Uh, in 1994 right went way down but as the drug test positives over the past three years have increased the illness and injury rate has continued to decline it's now down to 3.2% so you can't claim a correlation means anything when both of them are going down but if both of them don't go back up you've got a problem right so that's, that's one of those problems with those drug testing numbers. Similarly, when you look at the workplace fatalities, they've continued to decrease. Labor productivities continued to increase. Traffic fatalities have continued to decrease. So what's the problem? Remember, detecting whether workers use drugs, and, and keep in mind, most of these positives are for marijuana that's detectable long after you're not high. Detecting whether or not they're using drugs is as meaningful as identifying how many workers like science fiction. Until you can demonstrate there's a causal relationship between the increased drug use and any sort of increased harm, and we haven't seen it. This downward trend that happened of the drug test positives wasn't so much workers were stopped taking drugs. It's that they learned how to beat drug tests, and they stopped taking drugs uh, before them. This latest uptrend is workers in legal states being discriminated against for their use of a legal substance, busted by a test that only proves... That they used illegal substance, so we'll keep a monitor on that for you. All right, we got a guest joining us here at the desk, Ian Zeib from uh, what? What's the company again? Live Well Enlighten Health. Live Well, that's right. Thanks for being here, man. You just got done uh, here at the International Cannabis Business Conference on an activism panel. Kind of give us a rundown. What what would what was uh, learned
6: today? Oh, well, it was great. Um, and and before I answer that, Russ, I want to thank you for your tireless advocacy supporting all the legalization campaigns against all of the excuses for people to not vote for ending prohibition. Yeah. So uh, I've been silently admiring <laughs> what you've been doing, and I, and I just want to take the opportunity to thank you for it. Well,
3: I, thank you. I Appreciate that.
6: Um, uh, it was it, it was a great panel. Um, learning a lot about Canada and basically that uh, they wanted. Uh, I was there with Aaron Smith, the executive director of NCIA, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm also a board member of NCIA, and we were sort of the Americans on the panel. So we were fielding a lot of questions about our regulations and the state of our state laws and do's and don'ts and what Canada would be potentially looking to model things after. It wasn't a ton of advocacy um, really outside of the question of, I mean, it was general, it was more business than advocacy to be mm-hmm, frank, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there, we did get a really good, a real good couple of advocacy questions about uh, 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 our prisoners coming home and um, about Native American rights, but, uh, yeah, it was really entertaining. I enjoyed it a lot.
3: It's, it's interesting having to watch canada trying to do this nationally while we are doing it piecemeal state by state
6: they're about to leap ahead of us by quantumly i mean yeah. it's a uh, you know our and you know this my feeling is that our biggest issue right now in the states that the the, the biggest barriers that we have that were intentionally placed in front of us to ending prohibition are IRS code 280E -hmm. and the ban on banking Mm -hmm. and they're going to leapfrog all that and they're going to our our checkerboard quilt of laws and interstate commerce where we can't go over state lines I mean eventually we need to end prohibition on the federal level and they're going to do it and it's going to open up investment Uh, somebody from uh, the audience said there's over 200 million in investment capital from the states coming into Canada. Hmm. You know, um, which we're not that attractive as businesses uh, for in that type of investment because while our EBITDA looks great, when you factor in our profits, revenue is not profit, and when you factor in our profits after we pay our taxes, federal and then state and then cost of compliance, we're just not very profitable. right? We're one of the larger companies personally, but we have the honor of sending the most money to the IRS. So, so, so they're going to leapfrog all that. They're going to set up a regulated system. So maybe actually they can become a model for us. That would be nice to see. Uh, There were some, you know, in the news today, I covered a couple
3: of uh, things uh, or a story uh, coming out of uh, uh, Ottawa where uh, one of the uh, health ministers was saying there ought to be a minimum legal age of 25 in Canada for cannabis the doctors kind of said yeah but that would be unrealistic maybe it should be 21 and maybe we should have THC potency limits or purchase limits I mean so maybe there's some good coming out of Canada but those kind of things sound frightening to me
6: well we're 100% opposed to potency caps um uh we successfully just beat it back in Colorado which would have been an extreme 16% THC cap um Ohio Medical Marijuana Law has instituted potency caps, so we'll see how that rolls out. But they're at 70% for concentrates and 35% for flour, so it's not overtly onerous. Yeah. But I just don't like having the concept in the law because it's easier to change a number. You know, it's easier yeah. to change a number in a law than institute a new concept right. into a law, right? Right, right, right. So, um, so that makes me a little nervous. We'll see how that plays out. That's, as, To my knowledge, that's the only state that's done that. Um, you know, the big regulatory things that that we think uh, burden the industry are potency caps Canopy limits and residency requirements, which canopy limits and residency requirements are often sold as helping the little guy. But in reality, a canopy limit, uh, when you're paying our tax burden, if you can't scale because we're operating at such a thin margin, you can't make a living. So it's the taxes that kill the mom and pops. No one's going to have business from competing with us. There's a whole bunch of of, uh, small growers throughout Colorado we're buying wholesale from every day. We have 14 retail locations, right? So we can't. We have one of the larger, if not the largest, indoor grow in the state, and we can't grow cannabis fast enough to sell it in our stores. So we're supporting the mom and pop. We're supporting the local farm. And when you you institute a canopy limit, it limits your ability to scale. When you limit uh, a residency requirement, it doesn't keep the big players out. It keeps the funders out. Right. Right. And, and uh, so those are the main concerns that we've got as we continue
3: to develop legalization plans. Uh, one of the big concerns I hear from some critics of uh, Prop 64 is the addition of taxes, especially if they're paid by uh, medical consumers. And my rebuttal is always, yeah, but look at the price decrease you get. What, what are your prices going for in, in Colorado? I know they've gone uh, down quite a bit.
6: We're wholesaling at like a thousand a pound.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So once we remove these uh, regulatory burdens take away canopy limits and things like that. How low can it go?
6: Well, so the 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 it's a real it's a great question. Um, at the end of the day, cannabis is a commodity, and it's going to be like every commodity. And the massive profit margins that exist in the criminal market are because it's in the criminal market. So it is inevitable. That when you take something and, and and put it into a legal regulated system, quality is going to go up and price is going to go down. We test all of our cannabis, right? Yeah. So um, and you know it's hard to call something medicine when you're not testing it and people are drenching it in pesticides and all that other stuff. Yeah. So you know, I am since I started working on the advocacy side in 2003, I have always been a supporter of a legal regulated compliance system. You know I was out there for legalization campaigns way before it was safe yeah. <laughs> or popular. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, um, this is the way we have to go. This is you know When you take a look in the, lo- the big picture, the amount of progress we've had over the last 20 years is amazing. Yeah. Where we came from, right? Absolutely. With all the barriers put in our way. So, you know, um, we are a believer. At when, when I started MPP, we were a believer of, of incrementalism. That we would say that what we needed were wins and momentum, and we need more people exposed to people using cannabis. So that's why we focused on medical. Mm-hmm. And we would draft those initiatives based on the polling for as much as we can get away with, but the focus was on the wins. Right. The best illustration of that is that we drafted Michigan and Arizona at the exact same time. Michigan was a grow-your-own law. Arizona was a dispensary-only law. Yeah. Because that's what the polling said could pass. Because right. Grow Your Own would have killed the Arizona ballot initiative, which barely passed. Right, 50.13%. And dispensaries <laughs> would have killed the—well, we got 63%, and we won 83 out of 83 counties. So I don't know if it would have killed the Michigan initiative. Yeah. But the opponents saw the same polling we did because they their name, of their, pot shop, their, their name of their website was nopotshops.com, even though we didn't allow any dispensaries in the law. Right. So, you know, it, it, we, what we did was we focused on, I think, wisely— lining up wins and knocking down states. And then once you get something passed, it's much easier to reform an existing law to pass in the first place. Right. I've often said that uh, it's a lot easier for patients
3: and citizens to expand their rights than for criminals to gain them. That's right. <laughs> it's a lot, lot easier. That's right. All right. So let's give some folks uh, any contact info or LiveWell stuff that they might, if they want to get in touch with you guys or learn more or, or just anything you want to tell them as far as
6: contact. Sure. Great. Well, you, you check us out, livewell.com. We have 14 retail locations throughout Colorado.
3: And that's L-I-V-W-E-L-L. Yeah.
6: We are LiveWell, not LiveWell. So L-I-V-W-E-L-L, thank you, dot com. So you check out our website. and If you come to Colorado, please visit one of our stores.
3: Fantastic. Ian Sieb here and, of course, Florida. Going for medical, looking good in the polls there. You got relatives there. You just
6: confused me with Ian. My no. good friend Ian. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's not you're not the first person to do that, actually. I know. you guys do look similar. <laughs> we're both on the NCI board, but that's right. All right, well, we're gonna take a break so I can get, get my head back together. That'd be Neil Levine.
3: Neil Levine. Too too uh too many safety meetings. Uh,
0: <laughs> cannabis use isn't <laughs> the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. Cannabisradio.com Yo, 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 it's your boy T James. that, James. You listen to Dr. Bean on Canada Confidential.
5: Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: This is Dan Michaels from DanMichaelsAudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired up
3: lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com.
2: Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. Arr, har, har, har. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Rust on cannabisradio.com. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody.
3: Uh, my apologies to Neil Levine, <laughs> my previous guest, who I confused with Ian Sieb. Which is not hard to do. It, it, they're both board members of the National Cannabis Industry Association. So I was already thinking NCIA. Uh, Neil is with Livewell in Colorado, and uh, Ian is with Denver Relief in Colorado. So, <laughs> and, and, if, and I, I put the link in the chat room to the board uh, NCIA board uh, page. Uh, check their pictures. Uh, they look somewhat alike. <laughs> Just although uh, Neil's got glasses, so that's how I'll, that's how I'll remember it from now on. Neil's got glasses. <laughs> oh, we're having a good time. We're live at the International Cannabis Business Conference here in Vancouver, British Columbia. Got another uh, fifteen minutes here before we close up shop, and we're uh, headed out to the after party tonight where Rocker T will be performing. That's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll get a lot of photos for you and maybe some uh, Facebook Lives, maybe some videos, something like that. But make sure you're following me at Radical Russ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Pinterest to get all my latest tweets and posts and videos and pictures and data and details. It'll be a lot of fun. All right. So uh, you, Neil mentioned uh, how I've been battling the opponents of legalization who happen to smoke pot. And my latest piece on HighTimes.com, uh, part one of it was released on Tuesday. Part two will be released on tomorrow, well, Friday. And uh, it's my top ten no on Prop 64 myths that I'm debunking. And I've had uh, – there's there's a few people who are like regulars on the Internet uh, that – troll my posts like this uh, from california one's named letitia pepper we've talked about her but another guy is named uh j craig canada uh j craig canada has been following me around for quite a long time and and hates me (laughs) and he responded in the comments uh, on the high times piece about this uh this medical marijuana or this uh prop 64 and of course it's all couched in the language of my god What about the patients? How dare you tax the patients? Oh, it's evil, evil, evil. Right? It's all couch and that kind of stuff. And also complaining about my analysis of this crackpot legal theory, this Hail Mary pass that these people are, are hanging their hat on. They're basically basing this rejection of marijuana legalization. You know, put a monkey wrench into the international... Decriminalization in international end of not just marijuana, uh, not just marijuana reform, marijuana prohibition, but but all drug prohibition, and uh, we should do that because of this this extremely tenuous legal theory. So he's been in the comments responding to it, and I keep trying to point out how this theory doesn't work; it just doesn't work. So. In one of the posts, he uh, points out that, you know, there's all these uh, in California, they passed these laws uh, that are collectively called MACURSA, the Medical Cannabis Regulation and Safety Act, that consisted of three bills. Now, one of them was AB 266, Assembly Bill 266. And what this did is added a sunset clause to the collectives and cooperatives that were established by SB 420. SB 420 was a bill that set up the rules for collective cooperatives, uh, established limits on patient's medicine. It wasn't limits so much as 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 defaults on how much medicine a patient could have and so forth. So they, they passed this one. They had the sun, Sunset Clause on what SB 420 does. OK, so keep that in mind. And then there was also um, a uh, what's the other one? The SB or Assembly Bill going to scroll down a bit, uh, 420, SB 420, uh, that was found to be in conflict with Prop 215, the medical marijuana law in California. And part of what makes this theory tick is that the uh, uh, initiatives that are passed by the people in the state of California cannot be amended or altered by the legislature. Only the people can vote a new initiative. To be able to alter an existing initiative that's been passed, right? So the idea here is that the Mercursa laws that have been passed are somehow invalid, somehow incompatible with the rights granted by Prop 215. Because these Mercursa laws get rid of these collectives and cooperatives. And because Prop 64 has lines within it that affirm the Mercursa regulations, what that will do is elevate Mercursa from being just a statutory legislative thing that can't modify 215 into something that is now elevated to the level of citizen initiative because the people will have passed 64 and the people can modify 215. So that if you pass Prop 64, you've wiped out your chance to eliminate the uh, Mercursa that eliminates the collectors and cooperatives because it violates Prop 215. That's the argument. That's the theory. And I wrote it pretty extensively in my... I thought I did. I thought I explained this pretty extensively in my uh, in my writing, in my article, with footnotes even. But he still comes back and proposes this theory. And, and in fact, uh, here's part of the quote. It says... Many parts of SB-420 passed by the legislature have been found to be unlawful amendments of Prop 215, like plant limits. It is just as likely the elimination of collectives and cooperatives will be found to violate Prop 215's direction that the state provide affordable access to medical marijuana patients unless Prop 64 passes. Right? So he's reiterating this theory. AB-420, SB-420, had plant limits. Those were unconstitutional because they violated 215 therefore it is likely that getting rid of collectives and cooperatives will also violate 215 because within 215 there's a thing that says the state should provide affordable access to medical marijuana patients alright so that's the setup that's the that's the theory okay now I responded in an attempt to try to once again explain why this is a crackpot theory And here's why. Prop 215 is 11 lines long. It's a very short, very short statute. And it does three things. Number one. Patients and caregivers may possess medically recommended amounts of marijuana. And that happens by exempting them from the prosecution listed in section 11357, which is all your crimes for possession. Number two. Patients and caregivers may cultivate medically recommended numbers of cannabis plants. This is accomplished by an exemption from the prosecution that's listed in Section 11.358, all of the cultivation felonies. And number three, it infers a right, and this was determined by a court case in California called People v. Kelly. It infers that patients and caregivers are allowed to transport and deliver their marijuana and cannabis plants. This is exemptions from Section 11.360, which is all the gifting and trafficking and, and, and distributing uh, uh, crimes. Okay? Those are the three things. Possession of marijuana, cultivation of plants, driving them around, transporting them. What you'll notice isn't in there is collectives and cooperatives. Commercial cultivation and storefront retail aren't in there. They're not in 215. The reason the plant limits in SB 420 were found to violate Prop 215 is because it defined limits on what is medically necessary, which overrules what a doctor might recommend. And again, people have the right to possess a medically recommended amount of marijuana medic- and grow a medically recommended amount of plants. So when SB 420 came and said, oh, well, eight ounces is what you get as a patient and six plants or whatever it determined, the court said, no, now you're setting you're determining what a doctor can describe as medically recommended. That violates 215. Okay? But, the, uh, SB 420, being a legislative statute, cannot amend or contradict the citizen initiative of Prop 215. And even then, only the limiting parts were rendered invalid. Not the entire system, the whole collective cooperative system, because, the rest of that collective cooperative system didn't infringe on 215. Okay? So the very fact that the collective and cooperative system was allowed to exist shows that the commercial distribution of medical marijuana in California was not something that 215 covered. All right. So, now this SB 420 is what set up the collectives and cooperatives. McCursa is now Putting a sunset on that, it's going to end the collectors and cooperatives. But does that infringe upon the patient's rights? Well, does McCursus stop them from possessing their medically can- recommended amounts of cannabis? No. Does McCursus stop them from cultivating as many plants as a doctor recommends? No. Does McCursus stop them from being able to transport and deliver their marijuana and plants? No. In fact, it reiterates. That or Mercursa doesn't infringe on those rights, and then Prop 64 reiterates that it does not infringe upon the patient and caregiver rights. There's numerous sections that explicitly spell out that this does not apply to the medical use or medical possession or medical cultivation listed in the Compassionate Use Act, Prop 215. So the point would be that you're asking people to reject legalization of marijuana based on a just-as-likely scenario that rests on one line in Prop 215. Remember, he's saying, you know, the state has to provide affordable access, and so with no collectors and cooperatives, and then adding a 15% tax and a $9.25 ounce tax, you're increasing the price of medicine, so it's not going to be affordable, and that violates 215. Well, the problem is, I look shit up. Here's what the actual line is. Section 11362.5, paragraph B, line 1. The people of the state of California hereby find and declare that the purposes of the Compassionate Use Act of 1996 are as follows. Line C. To encourage the federal and state governments to implement a plan to provide for the safe and affordable distribution of marijuana to all patients in medical need of marijuana. So... Within that statute, the important verb there is to encourage. It doesn't say that the people of the state of California say that the Compassionate Use Act will implement or shall implement or anything like that. And within Prop 215, there's no plan to implement and there's no guidelines as to what it would take for the state to accomplish implementing such a plan. You know, like the critical definition of what do you mean by safe and what do you mean by affordable? These guys that complain that Prop 64 is 62 pages long, well, it is because it is implementing a comprehensive, well-defined plan. Hell, tomato regulations in California are 18 pages long. Regulating commerce in ingestible products requires quite a bit of tax, especially if it's physiologically and psychologically altering. And Prop 215 has encouraged the state governments to implement a plan for safe and affordable access. That's most of the medical marijuana states. In California, Prop 215 encouraged SB 420, and then encouraged Mercursa, and is now encouraging Prop 64. And they're obviously providing safer access to marijuana. Are they affording more affordable access? Well, compared to the street prices in 96, if you adjust for inflation, yes, they are. And by making the gardens protected and personal amounts legal, they're making access even safer and more affordable because a lapsed recommendation won't get you busted. And the prices were going to drop significantly, even with the tax added. Even if it was the worst-case scenario, there's no standard to evaluate or no mechanism to enforce it if we're in violation.
2: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Bellville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.
3: So, even giving them the benefit of the doubt, in the worst case scenario, your even if it was it wrong, there's no mechanism to force it to be right. That's all the time, time we got. I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
4: Maui Waui, Acapulco goal. California